the iPhone was simply a new tool that was enabled by technology advancements for us to take all of those jobs and satisfy them through one device as opposed to separate devices. So the jobs existed, but the change of a new product didn't change the jobs. It changed the solutions that were available to satisfy the jobs. So if you go back to like a pandemic, if I didn't work from home before, that doesn't mean that the desire to work from home did not exist before. It means it didn't exist for me. And when the pandemic hit, and now my struggling moments have changed, both from the supply side for corporations and from the demand side for the laborer, you end up saying, well, you know what? I got to figure out how to work from home. I'm in this new set of struggling moments for me, but not that they didn't exist. They existed independently of me. Welcome to the Circuit Breaker Podcast, where we challenge the status quo of innovation and new product development. We'll talk about tools and skills and methodologies used to build better products and make you a better consumer. I'm Bob Mesta, and I'm the co-founder of The Rewired Group, and I'm one of your co-hosts. And we're joined by Greg Engel, who is my co-founder and uh, Chief Bob Interpreter. Join us now as we trip the circuit and give you time to reset, reorganize, and recharge your brain to build better products. Hey, Bob, today we're going to talk a little bit about some unpacking of words or statements and things like that that we always do at the office. We did a podcast, I think, uh, that dropped a little bit ago talking about how we argue a lot at the office. Yeah, we argue a lot. So for this one, I want to introduce a new partner to argue with, yes. uh, Matt Shepard, who is a uh, associate of ours at the Rewired Group. Yes. And I went back He's and forth. He's a principal forth. as well. I went back and forth on what to do for this podcast. And the first thing that popped in my head was I wanted to talk to Matt about economics, which is his background, and jobs he done. But then something else popped into my head because we were talking about uh, Matt's child going to college and having to write essays. And, and there was an interesting essay question. So I want to throw the essay question out to both you and Matt, Uh-oh. and I'll probably chime in as well. But I wanted to kind of debate this this essay question. I'm, I'm not going to paraphrase it. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a it's a uh, uppity college that puts us out and they like to do long-winded things. So we're just going to kind of cut to the chase. Cut to the chase. So <laughs> You just ruined my son's chances of getting in there. <laughs> well, I did, we oh, didn't... I didn't say your last name. We'll delete that. We'll delete that. It'll be fine. Um, so Mark Twain once said, there's no such thing as a new idea. Yeah. Let's start with you, Bob. What's your thought on that? When you hear that quote, what's your first gut reaction to that? My first reaction is, yes, that's true, because everything's built on top of something else, right? And there's, there is a degree of change to something, but there's always a base foundation that everything is built on. And so they're all derivatives and they're, they're sometimes taking things from one industry to another industry. So it seems like it's new, but it's been done before in some other place. There's all these honing and refinements. But the fact is, is that true, true innovation requires in some cases, just a, a, a new perspective on something, but it's it's usually built from somewhere else. That's that that's my first pass at that answer. And Matt, do you have anything to add to that? I agree with that, but I would say that uh, new ideas. There, there's two differences, really. The thing, the solution. Is there a new solution? I mean, some people say the iPhone is a new solution right? And it's a new technology. It combined, you know, three or four or five different devices and and put it into one platform, 
right? It had touch screen and had uh, other other things that were part of it, but at the same time, it's 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 was all out there. It was all out there. There were PDAs, there were computers, there were you know phones, there were cameras, and all of a sudden, the technology advances allowed us to create a new version of those things that was a singular device, right? So it's not truly a a new idea. It's a new version of other ideas. Well, and this is where we have to unpack what's the word new. Yeah. Where's the threshold of when is it not new? Mm-hmm. And when is it when is it new? And then what what is it, you know, uh, an idea? So there's the two big words around it is is an idea a solution. And so part of this is to realize kind of like, you know, what what's the context we're actually talking about? Are there any, uh, you know, uh, there are no new ideas. Like in innovation, the fact is, is a lot of times it's, it's iteration more than it is innovation. Mm-hmm. So why do you think people put so much emphasis on having new ideas or new things or, or being unique to the world? Why, why, do we, why do we drive for that so much? Because you hear people say it all the time, right? Yep. What's the driver behind that? I, I, well, I think part of it is, is one ownership uniqueness, the whole notion of the patent office and that I have a patent for something that's a unique idea. They're the judges of basically, is this unique or not, or is it protectable? And then ultimately it has to go back to economics. And so a lot of times people are looking for something new, meaning it has to be defendable and it has to be different enough from everybody else that we can stick out. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I agree with that 100%. And the way that it manifests is not only in things, but for example, language yes. is a huge problem in this regard. In economics, we define things certain ways using specialized language. And we use that specialized language because it makes us unique. It gives us a, a, a way to control knowledge, a way to uh, separate ourselves and portray ourselves as something new. Accounting does the same thing. You know, uh, any specialized industry uses language to create the perception of new and unique so that they can satisfy their own egos and so that they can maximize their potential for building wealth. But at the end of the day, and I've said this before, and all those accountants out there are going to hate me for this, but, you know, accounting is nothing but basic arithmetic (laughs) with a few specialized definitions, Right. Right. But here's here's the thing is that I think that that they end up most people in innovation spend more time on trying to make it unique and new than actually serving customers to make it better. Agreed. And so and so what happens is 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 it's almost like if I make it better, people will buy more. That's not true. Correct. Right? The other part is if I make it unique and different, people will buy it. That's not true. And so part of this is to realize in a lot of cases, people weren't going out to make something new and different. They were going after solving a specific struggling moment in people's lives. And when they they focus on the problem, they actually, it causes them to actually create, if you will, new things, but from different perspectives. Do you think people are actually going into looking for the struggle or do you think that's actually a happy accident? So what I would say is that there's a separation between the two. So some people go and try to create the new, th- we've got to go find the new chip. We got to go find the new sneaker. We got to go find the new, and it, and part of this is to realize like it, at some point, people just don't need more chips. At some point, they're like, at some point they're struggling or wrestling with something that, that causes you to create sun chips. And so all of those things is that the successful innovators understand that it's built on a, it's built on a backbone of, 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 
years, centuries of knowledge and, and technology. And at the same time, the fact is, is today proposes basically a new way and possibly to do something. But the fact is, is it's all on the backbone of what, what's been already invented. So I think what I heard both of you say to a certain degree is we have to say it's new to get attention. Yes. If I say it's, it's the same, it's, you'll get attention. To get attention and to create value for ourselves. Right. The company or ourselves. Or, or ourselves. Right, yeah, right. exactly. So is the concept of, of me creating a new idea, is that kind of what we would call supply-side thinking? Yeah, that, that's where it falls. And so, so this is, it's a, there's a difference between what I call technology and basically ideas. Ideas are almost, a, I think of ideas as free. There's just like everybody has an idea. We can actually, you know, if we sit in a room and brainstorm, everybody can come up with a hundred ideas about anything. But what are what are good ideas, and what are ideas that actually resonate, and what what ideas turn into uh, creating value or helping people? And you start to realize like you've got to bounce those ideas against the right things. And when you bounce it against the the wall of new and unique and uh, you know different, that's not necessarily going to turn into those things. So I want to push on something you just said though. And Matt can jump in here as well. But the concept of of ideas being free, I think, is a flawed concept. Okay. Because it takes time, effort, and money to create an idea. Yes. Especially if we're talking about companies. Well, again, if we unpack what idea is, there, there's there's a difference between like I had a thought about something and what a a, a true mechanism is. And and that that a mechanism is not necessarily an idea to me. So, but when when Mark Twain says there's no there's no new ideas, he's talking about something that's probably thought of not just a spark in someone's mind. It's something that someone actually tried to go do. Yep. And what I'm saying is I don't think I think people actually default to that thinking of ideas are free because then we can take someone else's right. idea, we can do different things right. with them. But if we actually think about how much money companies take or spend, I should say. To come up with an idea, to say they're free is actually to discount the most important thing of I formulating. I agree. So, so here's the thing. I will retract that. I, I, I think that most people think ideas are are easy and free, and the fact yes. is they're not. They are not. I, I totally agree with that side of it. But the way that that when we're talking to people about it, it's like, well, you know, we can just get you know 20 people in the room and brainstorm a bunch of ideas, and out of it, we can actually do a filter process and do this and synthesis and all this other stuff. And you end up with like, okay, but is it really relevant? Is it really something? And, and those are the most expensive ideas. Exactly. Those are usually the most expensive ideas because they they don't really go that far, or they end up. Uh, I would say they're they're great in the mind, but in practice, don't execute. Very much so. Very much so. So all right, so. I think we all kind of we all kind of agree that there's no no new ideas out there. There's combinations of things. There's there's new product. There's new developments. There's new things. But there's rules of new. There's like if I get a patent, it's basically saying I have a new method or a new way or a new knowledge that basically nobody else can have access to. And so there there is a there is a judge of of new of new. But the fact is is most pat they're judging it is it really different from anybody else's and so there's there's a way in which to say it's it's new but it's just it, they're all derivatives of something for sure okay so that's gonna be very confusing to people because you just said it was new there's new but then you said there's not new so that's gonna be very confusing to people so no there's a ju i said there's a judge of new yeah there's an arbiter right. there's, there's an, arbiter. an arbiter that says something so that's is new. the important thing for people to understand though right is is 
what we're talking about is the concept of thinking or ideas. Yes. And what we're saying is they're all derivatives off of something. Yes. But then in the marketplace, there's a judgment of new. Yes. And that could be judged by many different people. But the thought of new thought, people are usually building upon, but we still want people, people build upon other people's thought, people build up other people's ideas, and then we come up with different ways to deliver on those solutions. Right. I mean, so I'll take, I'll take, I'll take the book that you and I wrote on demand side sales, right? Is it new? I don't believe that it's new. But the fact is, is that people are calling it new because, or refreshing and new because at some point in time, it's not talking about the sales funnel. It's talking about the buying process and it's taking jobs to be done, which we've been doing for 30 years and we just flipped it into that realm. And all of a sudden it's seen as new and unique and innovative. And, and my thing is, is that it's, it's like, that's, that doesn't fit my definition of it. It's just uh, an application of the technology that we have in a different space. Well, it's a word, new as a word people use to describe something that they haven't experienced or That's a right. different way to look at it. That's right. And what we're talking about is actually new ideas. So let's let's do that a little bit. Let's talk about Jobs Be Done. All right. And it was a brand new idea, right? You you started interviewing people and it was brand new, right? <laughs> no. You thought of it, right? <laughs> no. No, you didn't. No. It was, Where'd it, was it come over, from? So a whole one, it, it, it was born from the struggle of not being able to understand what people were saying and what they meant. But with the either the need state study I got or the usage and attitude study, I, like I don't understand how that helps me get to what I need to go build. And okay. so that gap basically said, all right, well, what, what, how do I figure this out? And so ultimately, it was, you know, usage and attitudes is about, you know, basically how people f- think and feel about stuff, right, and and what they do, right. But but not why they do it, right? And and need states is more about the the, the context and and kind of the the criteria around why people do what they do. But it's 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 the merging of all that that end up coming to jobs, which was, you know, I go back to the the five W's and two H's: who, what, when, where, why, how, and how much, right? Well, this is who, when, where, and why. Is that to help me then figure out what to go build? Okay, but what what methodologies or thoughts or work of other people's did you borrow or flip or use in different ways to help you build jobs we done so i think i think it was uh, looking at things like need states and realizing like okay that 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 gets me a, some distance but not all the way it's how usage and attitudes kind of started but it like it, it still was flat and then integrating it together and then to be honest bringing some of taguchi's notion of functions into it Right and being able to understand the, the the how the function of something, what it does, as opposed to what it doesn't do, because a lot of times people will just tell you what they don't want, not what they want, all the problems. And then it was that whole notion of of reference point and what I say contrast to create meaning, which is that aspect of like where are people actually coming from when they say these words. And so ultimately, it's being able to understand it's it's a merging of you will some engineering principles, some marketing principles, and Human psychology. So, what about what about Dr. Deming? What what did what did his what did your experience working with him or his thoughts or his ideas? What how does that go into jobs? Right. Again? So, so everything is a system, right? And everything has uh, inputs and outputs, and basically customers and outcomes, and all of that actually strung together the way in which to say, like, I understand how to build the system, but I don't know why I'm uh, who I'm building it for, or if I do, why do they actually need it? And so ultimately, 
Deming's whole causal structure and understanding that aspect of it and realizing that the the system is is our responsibility to design and that that ultimately how our system is aimed and what it does is a function of our abilities to put it together. And so to me, it's I need to become very, very clear. Uh, it's it, it, to be honest, it's the the birth of what I would call right to right to left thinking. It's I need to think about the outcomes I'm really trying to achieve. I'm really trying to actually understand the progress I'm trying to help people make, and then what systems can I actually do to go do that? And so that's all part of the the knowledge that Jobs has built on as well. So it wasn't something brand new that was just birthed. You you no. realize that you took different learnings from your schooling. Or from, lack of, yes. From mentors that you had. Yep. And um, there's mentors that we didn't mention that, that will be in book a book that you're writing yep. called The... Learning um, to Build. Yep. Um, that will so, we'll talk about some other the mentors and how they've influenced that as, yep. that as well. But what I want people to understand is even something like jobs that's new to a lot of people because right. they didn't know it was there, it was born of other ideas you put them together based on your struggling moment of being an engineer and having to build something right. and, and, and not being able to figure it out with what was given you, given not, to you. Not knowing what, um, you know, easy was or fun was and how to actually engineer it, like was really like, that's the struggling moment where I could see their usage and attitudes. I could see their personas. I could see, I could, I could get all that, but it's like, I didn't understand like why now, why today, what's happening. So Matt, you thought you were, you were getting out of this scot-free and I'm going to, turn the barrel to you now and and talk to you a little bit um, from another concept of people saying, well, the pandemic, economic crisis creates new jobs. So that's a new idea, right? New jobs. New, new jobs, a new idea, right? That new jobs exist because of some, you know, unforeseen uh, trauma. Yeah. A pandemic or a yeah, Whatever I, it creates a new thing, a new struggle, a new. Uh, it may create new struggling moments. It doesn't create or define necessarily new jobs. And here's the, the, let me just hop in because I think the point is is it might be a new job for me because I haven't been in this struggling moment before, but that struggling moment actually exists Existent. for other people in a different place. And so it depends on the reference point of the word new. Is it a new job for whom? And when? And when? And it's a question. Is is like what? What I would say is the pandemic has caused people to to more head into, for example, the the job of of you know build my help me work from home. There are a lot of people who work from home before, but all of a sudden the the, the job of actually when I can't go into the office and I I need to be able to uh, be productive. Help me find a place in my house so I can do that. It's just there are more people there. Yeah, because they, they had they, to be. They had not been in that job before, but, but the, the job existed. The job existed in, yes. in, in the universe Yes, in other ways. And so that's why when we do interviews, we look back to say, let's see what caused people to do that because we can see an inkling of kind of what's there. And then as we start to aim that forward, we have all the underlying what we'd say causal mechanisms that let us see who's headed to what direction and why they're going to choose. So I think I have to get Catherine's air horn out because yeah. this was meant for Matt to answer these questions, <laughs> but you know, that's fine. Stuff it's happens at Rewired, right? It's, it's perfectly fine. This is what happens at Rewired I'm all sorry. the time. This is our thing. This is debate. This, this is how we do it. I can't, right? you know. So I want to. I want to ask you to leave the room. I want to slow all that down a little bit because there are many people out there saying that pen, the pandemic or economic crisis, if we have one, will change the jobs. And I yes. just, Matt, just give a more succinct round answer so we can go to the next question. I'll, I'll try. I'm not sure that I can, but I'll try. So if you take, 
If you look, for example, at the iPhone again, right, the jobs that the iPhone satisfies, those jobs existed before, but they were not satisfied by a device that could do all of them together, right? So the desire to have access to my calendar while I'm on the road, which is not truly the job, but it's, in the, it's a part of the job, existed. The desire to be able to make phone calls while I was out of the office and, and, and not near my landline. The desire to have access to my email and other things that I might be able to use my computer for. All of those jobs existed prior to the development of the iPhone. The iPhone was simply a new tool that was enabled by technology advancements for us to take all of those jobs and satisfy them through one device as opposed to separate devices. So the jobs existed, but the change of a new product didn't change the jobs. It changed the solutions that were available to satisfy the jobs. And the the expectations. Exactly. And so if you go back to like a pandemic, right, to Bob's point, if I didn't work from home before, that doesn't mean that the desire to work from home did not exist before. It means it didn't exist for me. And when the pandemic hit, and now my struggling moments have changed, both from the supply side for corporations and from the demand side for the laborer, you end up saying, well, you know what? I, I got to figure out how to work from home. I'm in this new set of struggling moments for me. Right. But well, not that they didn't exist. They existed independently of me. But, e- but even in that example, me wanting to get work done regardless of where I am doesn't change. Correct. That's right. The location change, they may or the job may or may may or may not have changed for them. Yes. And if you were to go to like the the jobs that say working from home is not a job and that's what people think. Working from home is a job. But working from home is not the job. No, that's a channel where I do my work. Correct. Yeah. That's a different discussion. We don't want to go into that. But that but that's what people are that's what I think people get confused with is they they say, well, people went to work from home, so that's a new job to be done. Working from home is a job to be done. No, it's still being productive. It's still being not being seen as somebody that's that's not doing the right things. It's still all those different things that add up to a job well, to be done. Well, because a job, as we've said many times, and a, a, people fail to view jobs in a holistic manner. And by holistic, I mean that they understand all of the elements of a job, the struggling moments, the pushes, the pulls, the anxieties, the habits, the trade-offs, the hiring and firing criteria, et cetera, in addition to the different functional, social, and emotional requirements. That is the holistic view of a job. So when I state a functional statement like, oh, I need to work from home, that's not a job. That's a part of a job, right? And so this is where the shorthanding of what jobs are leads us down these primrose paths of of thinking we have multiple jobs multiple times. And I'll give you another example of how the pandemic didn't actually change jobs. You know, my child last year was a junior in high school, and he went from going to school and taking classes in a classroom with his classmates, with teachers, to on March 13th, taking classes at home by himself virtually on a computer. What I hired the school to provide to my child did not change because of the pandemic. The way in which the school delivered it changed. But what I'm asking for the school to provide to my child and me as a parent didn't change at all. 
I'm still expecting them to educate him to some level, to help him graduate from school, to help him get good standardized test scores, and to ultimately be able to, to matriculate to college, right? And so my desired for what the school is supposed to deliver didn't change at all. How they delivered it changed. And ultimately then had you start to think about alternatives. Right. Do I have to consider a different school? Do I have to find, because maybe the school he's currently going to is not doing a good job of delivering the the information via a virtual channel. Yeah. So, so that brings me to the next question is, what also, often people will say is, well, the reason why I think it creates new jobs is because during an economic downturn or during a pandemic, I can see churn or I can see businesses grow. Mm-hmm. So that has to be an indicator that a new job is born. No, it's a new way of delivering against the same set of jobs. Or in churn, it's just that my current isn't working and I may or may not have changed jobs. Abs- absolutely. I may or may not have changed the job to be done, but that solution no longer works. I'm going to look for a new one. It's the same as we when you talk about you're trying to clean your windows and you're promised a streak-free clean and then all of a sudden it starts streaking. Your job for cleaning the windows didn't change, but the solution is not working anymore. Though it disinfects. It probably does. <laughs> but it streaks. But so it streaks, you know. There's a trade-off. There's a trade-off. So I, I think that kind of wraps up kind of what we're talking about. And I'm, I'm hoping this gives you a little bit of an example of how the we banter. work. And the banter we have and, and kind of the arguments we have. And it, it started off, as you could tell, it started off as everybody agreeing. But then when you start digging into words you start understanding there could be confusion in those words. So again, the, the homework or the thing that we want you to think about as, as you leave this podcast and you go about your week is, are there times that you're talking to somebody and the word isn't unpacked enough, like new idea, right. wasn't unpacked enough and we agreed on the superficial level, but then when we started really digging into it, we found holes into what we were really saying. So I want you to think of conversations that you have with people, and then you can tell where the disconnects are once you kind of unpack that conversation. But the real goal is to unpack during the conversation so both people walk away with clear understanding instead of walking away with the thought we were clear and then two weeks later realizing, oh, we were way off, right? Right. So, so take that time to unpack during your conversation. Hopefully we showed you some of that. And also take time to do a debrief or a postmortem on the conversation when something doesn't work to find out what you didn't unpack. Yep. Have a great rest of your week and look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for listening to the Circuit Breaker podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. If you know somebody who's stuck on the innovation treadmill, please share it. If you'd like to learn more information, visit us at therewiredgroup.com to find out how we work, how we can help, some resources, some books, some software. Join us next time as we trip the circuit breaker to help you recharge, re-energize, and refocus your new product development.